Good evening. It's Talking Sports with Evan and promised you earlier in the week going to have a guest here today to talk Packers and their new offensive coordinator. And sure enough, I have Dusty Evely joining me here today. Uh, talk about Jeff Halfley and the expected, I'm still saying expected because until we truly see what they do, the expected transition from 3-4 to the 4-3 or I should say three-man front to four-man front for really the first time since the 2008 season. And Dusty, before I jump, jump into that, just want to say thank you for spending some time and joining uh, the show to talk about it. Yeah, no, appreciate you having me on, man. It's been, uh, man, when was the last time I was talking to you? It's been a couple of years, I feel like, was the last yeah, time we talked, right? I think it has been that. Um, yeah. My setup's changed, obviously, so I'm doing live stream instead of the um, – I think I was doing it with uh, – zoom or something recording that's right there and then posting the audio but decided to do some video streaming with it instead and then post the audio later but yeah it's been an interesting couple weeks in the state of wisconsin mm -hmm. for sports you've the brewers making moves the bucks making moves the packers making coaching changes and i've uh, been having a lot of you know conversation around that and had a whole show planned out i want to say it was a week ago tonight right uh, that sounds right. Yeah, it feels like it was longer ago than that, but I do feel like it was. I do feel like it was last Thursday. Yeah. Yeah, I had a whole show planned out a week ago. I had a guest on last week, Alex Strofe, and we're going to talk about guys he would like as the defensive coordinator. And I had to quickly pivot right before we clicked <laughs> live because now all of a sudden the Packers have named their defensive coordinator, and it's Jeff Halfley. And I know as soon as they made the move, you had the tweet out. It's time to. Uh, look into some Boston College film and I guess start right off right away with when you're watching that Boston College film about Jeff Halfley what did you notice watching that film so it was kind of fun the way I did it I don't know um, I don't know how I should have done it I guess my, my thought process is I like to start with the most recent stuff because what everyone was telling me when I said when I, I sent that out I'm gonna watch some Boston College stuff would a lot of people hit me up and were like Watch 2019 Ohio State. Watch 2019 Ohio State because he was co-defensive coordinator there. That was the one year he was there. But that's forever ago in football terms. So I wanted to watch the Boston College stuff, see what he was doing because of the recent trends. I want to see how he was incorporating maybe some sim pressure stuff that maybe wasn't quite as in vogue in 2019. And then I went back to 2019. It is interesting. You can see the differences, but some of that I think is, is maybe on the personnel and the guys that he had. He did not have – We'll say the best defensive talent at BC, but you could still see some of the bones for it there. If you start, so if I start back with Ohio State, what he wants to do, and if you look, if you listen to him talk, if you watch, he's got um, coaching clinics out there about like press technique, what he wants to do more than anything. He wants to press you at the line. He wants to be aggressive. He wants to attack. And that's what you showed at Ohio State. There's a whole lot of like pretty static four man fronts. Three linebackers, like exactly what you think of with a four-three. You get the you get the guys pressed up on like sometimes within inches of the receiver's face and a single high safety. That was Ohio State, and they had dudes at Ohio State 2019. So like that's no surprise because if you do have the dudes, you want to run single high man. Like that's the easiest defense in the world to do if you've got dudes. Just beat them up at the line because our guys are bigger than you. Their Jeff Okuda was there that year. 
And then we just got the single high guy in the background and then he can fly wherever Boston college was different. I think partially because, uh, because he didn't have those dudes, he started off kind of trying to do that same thing. And he just, they didn't have the horses to do that. And so they had a lot more of, they were playing off coverage, but off coverage, that's like a dirty word or a dirty phrase in Green Bay, right? You don't want guys playing off coverage, but they're playing off, but they're playing downhill. And so instead of like retreating back and doing a little sidestep back, they're standing. And then at first movement, they're pushing forward. They're looking to attack rather than retreat on some of that stuff. And even some of the single high you had was um, a lot of like kind of look like too high uh, with, with a guy then kind of floating down in. And so it was kind of this hybrid too high, one high. And Halfley even said that in, in a recent interview where he said like Boston college is more like kind of too high that played one high. And if you watch it, you can, you can see how that kind of looks. So I do think, I mean, that was a change. And the other change was, I mean, that I mean, you, you brought that up the Florida four down linemen, the way the Packers have their dudes where it's not their typical bendy edges of like a three, four, you've got those big dudes. You've got Preston Smith, Lucas Van Ness, Rashawn Gary. Those they're not bending the edges, they're pocket crushers. And so if you look at that from like even like Boston College, it was a four three, but you know, four two five is kind of what they're running a little bit. But they didn't really have four guys with their hands on the dirt. It wasn't four guys lined around. It was a whole lot of guys milling around the line. It was a whole lot of two down linemen in the middle, the other two kind of playing like a three four, kind of playing that off wide milling around a little bit the linebackers on the inside not really giving a whole lot away so i think in terms of um i'm, I'm trying to write i'm writing something up now for i got the, the cheesehead tv draft guide i'm writing about the halfley hire so i'm trying to dig in to some of this as much as i can um but it really does that that's been that's been the talking point is three four to four three well this isn't this isn't like when the Packers went to three, four under Dom Capers, right? Like this is, it's a different world. They're predominantly a nickel. And I do think, I don't think the main difference is going to be the front. I think the main difference is going to be what they ask of their safety and and, and who they have back there, I think is the bigger difference rather than like the, the front itself. So I'm going to jump to the safety piece in a bit. I want to start with, uh, you talked about three, four base, four, three base for those that I guess don't, really get you know that those nuances biggest difference between in your opinion between running a three four and a four three like what's the biggest other than an extra linebacker extra d lineman like what's more i guess what are some of the advantages uh to running the different fronts and um, yeah i mean really one of the big things and again it's it's tough to talk about too much now just because um nickel nickel used to be the sub package and so it used to be like you'd you'd run your base three four four three you know, 70% of the time because the other teams run a whole lot of like two back stuff, two tight end stuff, but now you're running nickel. So you've got three. So, so if you look at, you know, you're, you're we say three, four, four, three, that's the dudes up there, right? So it's seven, seven guys you're, you've, you've got in the box there, Well, you got to take one of those away. If you got three wide receivers out there, which means you're not really running a four, three, you've got six guys, not seven guys. So I think if you're looking at that base four, three, three, four, uh, I mean, to me, the biggest difference is four, three is like, you've got those like four dudes either like hands in the dirt or kind of, I look at them like they're lined up on the line. It's kind of like the stout front and those that's where your rush comes from. You, maybe you send a linebacker or something, but it's kind of a little more, um, kind of a little more static, I guess, maybe in terms of how it looks. Whereas three, four, I've always viewed as like kind of more of a, more of a shift. You've got these three guys, three defensive linemen will say hand in the dirt, pinched in you've got four linebackers quote-unquote linebackers with a two inside two outside but that rush thing can come from anywhere it's it's more of where four three feels like more um 
more static in terms of the look up front. Three four is more an amorphous blob. Um, I mean, the, that was the idea behind the three four when that kind of came up was like we can bring pressure from anywhere. We've got these three guys. We're always going to bring four. You just don't know where that fourth is coming from. And if you if we bring five, you better watch out. And so to me, that's when I think of like three four versus four three. That's what I think of like the main differences there. And you brought up, and I think it's important for people to uh, to really realize is that I hear the number 60% of the time. I don't know how accurate that is. Uh, most teams are nickel about 60% of the time, or maybe even more than that, just because the way the offenses are run in the NFL nowadays. 4-2-5 is kind of, you know, big nickel is one of the, I think, things Goody was talking about. Mm-hmm. And in that package, my guess is you're just going to probably have a safety who's big enough to um, potentially be down by the line of scrimmage, kind of like your camp chancellor or uh, the safety up from the uh, Arizona Cardinals. I can't think of his, uh, I think Baker. Buda yeah, Baker. Baker, yeah. That's, that's the type of body type I'm guessing you're probably looking at if you're going big nickel. Yeah, I mean, ideally, you want um, you want someone who can who can either because you're not gonna you want the single high. So you think of like the single high, and it's always like the the ideal is Earl Thomas, right? Because that dude had instincts; he could fly sideline to sideline. You talk about any single high stuff. Usually, a Legion of Boom comes up just because those guys that wasn't cover one, but they were so good at running that single high that cover three stuff. So yeah, you want you're gonna want the two safeties. You need the two safeties there. Ideally, you want the one guy that is an Earl Thomas type, which really like savage profiles as we just haven't seen that much out of him because he's not been in that system too much that rangy center field post dropping safety that can go sideline to sideline plays deeper than what we've been seeing because you've got the single high and then the other guy is that like you said i mean cam chancellor would be the ideal like a bigger dude i think of like even um late stage morgan burnett in green bay right that can that can cover a little bit on the back end that still has enough coverage skills but really gets by with smarts the ability to um to cover cover a tight end, cover a guy up the seam out of the slot and, and play a little support in the box there as well. So that's ideally that's what you want. I mean, if you look at the if you look at who the Packers have right now, as far as body types, now this is not the skill of the player as far as body types, like Darnell Savage as your as your deep guy. And then someone like Jonathan Owens in the box, like he does really good work in the box, I think. So those would be your two like kind of body types you're looking for, if not necessarily those specific players. I want to jump back to the front. The depth chart, which is obviously going to change right now for defensive line for Green Bay. You have Kenny Clark, Kobe Wooden, TJ Slayton, Carl Brooks. Then you have your Preston Smith, or Devontae Wyatt. I can't forget about him after his uh, stepped up a little bit this mm-hmm. year. Then you got Preston Smith, Lucas Van Ness, and Rashawn Gary when he's healthy. Ingambare, do those players fit to being a more predominantly four-man front, or some of those guys going to be like an Aaron Capman when the Packers switched to a three-four that it just wasn't a fit? No, I think they're perfect. I mean, if again, if you think of like what a what a four-three, if you're looking at like a static four-three, you want like stout guys in the middle, and then two guys who can rush off the edge, but can also kind of 
hold the boundary there, right? Like you're kind of containing the rush there. And again, that's, I kind of mentioned that a little bit at the top. That is what, uh, what they drafted in terms of those edge rusher guys. That's not, I think of like typical three, four, I think of those bendy, almost like a Brian Burns type guy around the edge, right? Like those, those edge rushers who can drop a little bit into coverage Four three, it's more big bodies. And the way the Packers have, I mean, those are dudes. I mean, Preston Smith, I mean, he's a, he's stand up because you know three, four, those edge rushers will stand up. But that body type, LVN and, and Rashawn Gary, the same thing. If they go three point stance with uh, with with what's outside a rundown, if it's if your four man front on a rundown is Kenny Clark and TJ Slayton on the inside, and then you've got uh, we'll say Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary or LVN on the other side, with, all with hands in the dirt, all in three point stance, like those are dudes. Those are those are dudes who can hold their own, theoretically, crush the pocket shut down the lanes to the outside so i mean i mean those body types to me translate well as a four three while also being able to drop back a little bit when they want to run their blitz stuff they want to move those bodies around a little bit. they got they're, they're versatile enough to where they can do that but i that that was the first my first thing when i heard about four three stuff i was like well they the guys they've drafted the edges they've drafted those are like old school four three ends anyway so it's really not that big of a, of a switch i don't think yeah, I know Lucas Van Ness was doing a lot more hand-in-the-dirt stuff, especially towards the end of the year for him. Gary did it a lot in college, so I'm guessing it's not going to be much of a change. And I like the possibility on passing downs, put Rashawn Gary and Van Ness in the middle. Yes. Rush uh, Preston Smith, and if he's healthy, Ingambare or another edge guy from the outside. That's going to be tough on quarterback when you got those four guys coming after you. Yeah, run a stun up front with the big dudes, run a blitz behind them, or or mug that A gap and drop someone back. I mean, that Rashawn Gary with his quickness and violence, you line line him up like they used to do with Zadarius Smith, right? Like line them up, slant them in the A gap right over the center. Like there's not a whole lot you could do about that on pass rush down. So I, I do hope I Barry gets um, you know, I'm not the biggest Barry fan. I think he gets a little more hatred than maybe he deserves, but he was for for the things he did well, and there were some things he did well, he was not a creative blitzer at all and so i hope some for more creativity up front for sure yeah i hope for that too for both blitzing up front and back in the secondary do things different as well before we jump back to the secondary linebacker position very important uh especially now you got campbell possibly back mcduffie quay walker and likely signing or drafting of another player in that room it more of a Four two four three system. What roles do you envision Walker, Campbell, and McDuffie playing? Does Walker stay in the middle with McDuffie, Campbell outside, or does McDuffie in the middle with Campbell, Walker outside, or some variation of that? I think. I mean, first off, I think Walker's going to eat in this in this defense. Like, if you look at what they're asking their linebackers to do, especially at Boston College, and they just didn't have the dudes to do it. You you watch some of that stuff, and you you watch uh, what Quay does, where you're playing against play action, you're dropping back, you got to be rangy. You're a lot of the kind of the deep drop linebacker stuff that the 49ers do, like playing up close to the line, then drop it, dropping deep back, and taking away that middle of the field, driving down stuff. That stuff, I think, with Quay with his, his athleticism is going to be incredible. And they, I think some of that goes back to as well some of the creative blitzing i think that was one thing that uh when they started bringing quay on blitzes 
he's a freak athlete. He's got a, he's got a nose for the kind of an innate sense of for where to rush. There's the big one was against the the Cowboys, I think, in the playoffs, where he sidestepped uh, the 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 uh, running back trying to plug him in the hole to to get a pressure on Dak. I mean, that's that stuff like you. That's it's very hard to teach. That's kind of innate to him. So I'd love to see him more used more as a rusher. But I do think, I mean, ideally, I would think uh, two. You could, again four two five. If Campbell's there, I, I think Campbell profiles if he's the Campbell from a couple of years ago. He just, I don't know if his injuries or what, he looked real slow last year. But with his arms, his profile, if he's kind of your Mike, he's kind of the he's the dude in the middle, he's kind of the guy to the strong side. And then Quay is is your will, kind of every weak side backer that is a little more athletic, that can you know run with tight ends, that can do all that stuff. I think ideally that's how it profiles. Now, I, I don't know, like you said, I, I at this point, I don't know if Campbell's going to be back, and if he is, I don't know if he's going to be anything like we've seen, uh, we saw, you know, prior to last year. So uh, McDuffie, I think, you know, McDuffie played under Halfley, um, so I do think he's going to get a shot. I think he showed very well. I don't know that he profiles well as as like a Mike in this system. Maybe he does. He plays downhill. He's a good tackler. He's aggressive. I think a little undersized for what you want there, but. I, like you said, I wouldn't. I, they're going to go after someone else, and I think they're going to go after someone else that maybe profiles someone that can play that kind of that Mike linebacker role next to Quay is probably what they're going to be looking for there. And then secondary, Jair. I I don't think there's any way he's not back. Combination yeah. of the money and then with what Goody commented at his press conference, very adamant he's back. Carrington Valentine played very well for a seventh round pick, and I think he's got a ton of upside. You have Eric Stokes, if he can stay healthy, is pretty athletic. Secondary corner position, maybe need another body there. Safety definitely needs some bodies there. Savage is a free agent. You have Anthony Johnson Jr., who's a was a rookie, played sparingly, looked good at times, didn't look very good at times, like you expect from a late round pick as a rookie and then Owens I believe is also a free agent Packers have a lot of work to do in that safety room especially but improving the secondary what you talked about Savage could fit that kind of center field role Owens that close to the line of scrimmage type role do you see both of them being back or do the Packers kind of just start over in that room I wouldn't be shocked if they start over. I think at least one of the way back. In my mind, I think Savage is back. I just I get the I get the feeling based on his skill set, what he can do. I mean, what he what he did when he kind of was able to roll down, play the nickel. Um, there's versatility there, and I do think his I mean his best year we saw from him in Green Bay was under Petten, where he was playing this role. Like I, you took a guy who was drafted to be this kind of single high athletic sideline side on safety, and then you put him in a system where he's predominantly like quarter stuff, which is more. You're playing more in a phone booth. It's rules based. You're passing guys off. It's more um, not not that Savage is dumb. Like I don't want to imply that at all. But there's more thinking and there's more uh, feeling what the guy next to you is doing. And you missed enough time as well. Like I don't think there was that feel there. And whereas if you're kind of a single high safety, you can roam a little more. You can trust your instincts. You can you can you know you can play fast. And I, he still got the athleticism to do that. So in my mind. Um, my mind, I, th- I feel like Owens is back, um, if nothing more than like a, than a depth piece. Like, I don't think he's going into camp next year as a starting safety, but I think Savage is back. Like, he, he feels like a guy at the very least. Like, they don't have another guy like that. So it's either Savage or signing someone in free agency, which you, which you could do, or drafting a guy, and rookie DBs don't always work out. Um, you know, that, that first year, that can be a little tough for them, especially in this system. So I think, to me, it's 
Uh, safeties are not expensive right now. Take a flyer on Savage. Sign him to a one-year deal. Have him bet on himself. Um, if if you can get him to come back and play in the system, tout what he can do in this. Give him an incentive-laden laden deal. And I think I think it would make good sense to bring Savage back. Um, and yeah, as far as the other guys, the other DBs, the, I mean, this is their system, right? Like I like a guy like Jair, and I know you know his athleticism is still there. His willingness to tackle is not ever since he injured his shoulder against Pittsburgh. And so I, I kind of wonder if that plays into a little bit, but he wants to get in faces and talk Carrington Valentine. He wants to get in face and talk set. That was Stokes's whole deal was, and I'll, you know, we'll see, like you said, not only if he stays healthy is what does he look like? If he is healthy, his whole thing was speed and recovery press at the line, get back. And so that was the thing at Georgia. It was a really tough to, uh, to evaluate what we did in Georgia because they never threw at him. But a lot of the, a lot of that was he was pressing. He had great recovery speed, good use of hands, good, uh, good, pretty good ball skills, which we've not seen that since he's been in Green Bay. The guys that they have, and then if they grab someone in the draft as well, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not throwing Ballantyne in there, but I'm, I'm just saying these, these three guys. If we project these three guys as a starter, this is the ideal system for these guys to be in. So I, hopefully they'll thrive. I think Valentine will, will probably struggle a bit just because. He looked good this past year. Um, I don't know that he's he can press and run with with NFL receivers every single week, uh, but th- the attitude of these guys, how they want to play, like this is perfect for them. So I, I I'm really excited to see it for the DBs, if nothing else. Yeah, I didn't mention Nixon for a reason because I wanted to ask a sep- ask about him separately than just the room as a whole. I noticed, and maybe this was after Lafleur put his hands in the pot more on the defense late in the year. But they were using Nixon a lot, blitzing and near the line of scrimmage. Is he possibly in that safety room if he comes back with this new Packers scheme? He doesn't cover the best, in my opinion. I, I don't like him covering very often. But when he's kind of playing more of that rover, that safety, that center field guy, as you're talking about, is that potentially a role for him? I don't know. I mean, I love the idea, but he just... Um... Like his tackling angles sometimes are are questionable. So if you if you've got him as like that last line of defense, I don't know. Like he's fast. I don't really has the speed or instincts to really play that in a way you want him to play. I mean, I'm with you. I I like him, and I think when you let him rove a little bit more around the line, cause some chaos. I think he's I think he's great. Kind of what they did. I mean, old school with Woodson and what they did with Micah Hyde for a bit there as well. Play near the line. You're the slot kind of but also you're just kind of like a uh, you're just causing some chaos up front like i think that'd be a lot of fun if you would take that role i just based on what i've seen of him and grid and it's just it's it's slot stuff but seeing what he's done in the slot seeing what he's done in space it doesn't make me think that that's a guy you want playing center field in this defense but maybe he'll prove me wrong but yeah i don't know it yeah. makes me a little nervous yeah, i d- he has ball instincts and that's why i was thinking maybe some center field not like that's his permanent spot but he's got instincts to find the ball is kind of what I'm thinking. You kind of need that for that center field. But as you mentioned, play him near the line as well if he is back. I just don't – I would prefer him not doing a lot of man up on slot receivers because he struggled at times doing that. And much as I like Nixon and what he brings to the defense and when he's attacking the line of scrimmage, but I just <laughs> – but if he is your, I mean, you're right though. I mean, I, I didn't really think about it. if he is your other safety. If if we're saying Savage is maybe your 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 deep guy, right? If Savage is that guy, ruled out in the box, he's not covering slot every time. That would be 
you know, Valentine or Stokes or Jair who, or whoever he'd be rolling down as that safety, you know, maybe he's, he's carrying a tight end up the field. He can blitz from there. Like I, I, don't hate that. He's going to have to rotate and cover deep occasionally. Yeah. But listen, man, you've watched the Packers long enough. See, we've seen worse guys than, than Keyshawn Nixon, like on ten snaps playing deep. So <laughs> I'd be curious what it looks like for sure. Yeah, I guess one of the things I am looking forward to not seeing if he is going to if Halfley's going to play more aggressive coverages, more ma- press man. Maybe some zone mixed in, I'm guessing, because you don't want to do man all the time. Yeah. Zone all the time. You're going to get beat if you do man all the time. The big thing that drove me crazy, and this even goes back to Mike Petton days, is I'm this, I'm the linebacker. I'm in my zone. I pass the guy off to the next zone, and there's nobody, literally nobody within 10 yards in that zone. Yeah. Is Halfley any vibe from him and the coaching staff to bring it in? I know LaFleur hammered communication many, many times about the communication not being good. Is that one of Halfley's strengths, you think? The co- new coaching staff strength? Is communication something that hopefully is going to be improved? I'd say Halfley for sure. I mean, Campanile, I don't know much about besides the, like the new linebacker coach, besides some of the clips I saw from Hard Knocks, which can make you want to run through a brick wall. But Halfley, I mean – some of what coaches talk about each other, you can kind of take some of that stuff with a grain of salt. But you listen to anyone talk about Jeff Halfley. If you listen to uh, coaches, guys who've played underneath him, I mean, that, that includes guys like, you know, Richard Sherman. I know Akuda has said some things as well. To a man, almost the first thing they say is good communicator, great communicator, great teacher. And it's tough to tell some of that stuff sometimes on the field. Like you say, there's it's you want to pass off and is that the linebacker didn't take the teaching or it wasn't taught well it's tough to tell sometimes but i will say if you watch um you watch his defenses play and i've been through uh i think half of that 2019 ohio state and then about half of his boston college games from the four years he was there you can see the communication on the field now it doesn't always work <clears throat> excuse me part of that at boston college was again some of the guys just they 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 couldn't do it which any of this stuff gets tangly because then you're like, well, then is that back to the coaching? He's asking him to do something he can't do. There's some things you just have to do on a football field, and that's like whatever. But you look at what the defense does. You look at how they look pre-snap. You look at how they react to motion. You look at how they communicate, how they shift, how those safeties, how those DBs like move pre-snap, how they pass that stuff off post-snap in terms of like when they react to their outbreaks, where they're supposed to be when that stuff's in zone, um, or even if it's in man and they're switching at the line and you got the, the – it's be man coverage like a banjo coverage at the line where you've got the kind of the stack release and then they switch release at the line it's still man coverage but then the dbs will pass off those assignments that's something that's really easy to screw up uh but half you watch those halfway defenses and again like the stuff when they're getting beat they're typically not getting beat because guys are out of position due to communication they're getting beat because the offense ran something good or the linebacker ran a five two or something like that like it's it's just i think Again, you look, listen to coaches. Coaches lie often, um, but the coaches, the players underneath them, talk about communication, teaching. And then you watch, you watch the tape, you watch those guys communicating, you watch how they play, and you can see that stuff play out. And you watch some of his 
coaching clinics and you can hear how he teaches this stuff, his attention to detail and how he teaches this stuff, the whole like why behind it. So we'll see how it plays out, you know, in Green Bay. I'm really curious about this, but it does look like from everything I've seen, um, he's, it seems like he's a, he is a good teacher. He teaches guys to communicate. And really one of the big things too, he came out of Boston College, not because he had to, he came out of Boston College because of the way college football is going. He just wants to coach ball. Like I think that's what he really wants to do. He wants to, he wants to teach. He wants to communicate. He wants to form connections with the guys, which again, by all accounts, he's very good at. And then just kind of lead those dudes and, and, and coach ball the best he can. And by all accounts, like he's a great communicator. So I'm, I'm, I am for the first time in a while excited to watch this defense and see how they pass off assignments. Cause it's uh they, that first year under Barry, they actually did very, very well. And it's been kind of a crapshoot since then. Yeah. Again, uh, for those just joining just dusty Evely from pack a day podcast, Cheesehead TV pack report, uh, pack report. I guess there's anything, uh, I'm missing there. Uh, I know you do a ton. Uh, <laughs> that seems good. <laughs> join here. And one of the things I said I wanted in the new in the new defense, and this is why I wanted somebody from Baltimore, particularly because they play in a, a defense that they want to punch you in the mouth, where Joe Barry's scheme was playing very passive. Let's not give up a big play. If they get yards down the field with on us, that's fine. We're just going to – you know, set, make them kick field goals instead, try to go make them drive 80 yards. I want a defense that's not afraid to say, you know, we're going to punch you in the mouth. We are may give up a big play here and there, but we are going to play with attitude. And that's something that's been lacking. And that's something I'm hoping to see with uh, Halfley as a DC now too. Hopefully he brings more of an edge to that room. Yeah, yeah, and I think, I mean, to, to your point exactly, I, I think we're going to see more explosive plays given up by the defense, but I also think we're going to see more TFLs. We're going to see more turnover opportunities. Whether I think, I can't remember what the stat was. Like, their Packers are lowest in the league in, like, forced fumbles over the past three years or something like that. Like, I think we're going to see uh, more TFLs, more more fumbles, more uh, more interception opportunities. So we are going to see, I think they're going to give up more explosive plays I mean, I, I was going to say maybe more yards, but I don't know because I think they're pretty bad in yardage. But I think they're going to they're going to have more opportunities to to create those game changing plays on defense as well. And again, just I mean, you watch these defenses, and some of this it gets relentless, dude. Like they're just they're they're coming after you over and over again. They get beat. They're still good. They're still playing downhill, and they're still looking to attack. Like that, that that's that's a hallmark of as as shifting as Halfley's defenses have been to some extent. I, I do think that's one of the hallmarks is they they keep coming after you. They keep pressing. And last thing I want to ask you before I let you go: jump to the offensive side of the ball in the 2023 season. There is a stretch where I think it's safe to say most people are wondering if Jordan Love truly can be quote-unquote the guy the offense seemed to be in a stalemate uh not really producing the way we want to and receivers tended to be to me observing running not correct routes and not being where they're supposed to be just the offense seemed like a complete mess and then i want to say starting with the pittsburgh game even though the outcome wasn't what we wanted the Rams game, Pittsburgh game, it's like something switched and the offense started producing a lot better. Is there anything you noticed watching the film, re-watching the games that stood out to you when that, that switch flipped with the offense and we started seeing the offense that we were hoping to see? 
I'm going back through them now, actually. So it's a good time to ask. I'm, I was rewatching the Broncos game when I jumped on. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the big thing for me, what it seemed like, and I'm still trying to, you know, fully kind of piece all this together in terms of like the best way to show it. But it looked like the way they started the season, they started with a bang against the Bears. And then, you know, they kind of started off, scored some points against the Falcons. I know then fell off and then had that four game losing strict stretch. It looked like what they wanted to do. They came out of the gate. They talked with us all off season. We're going young. We're going to sink or swim with these guys. LaFleur obviously like hammered this stuff into their head. This is what we're running. I think they came out of the gate and we're going to run our offense. We're going to do what we're going to do. We're going to run it. We may be bad for a little bit, but eventually we're going to be good. And they came out and it was good against the Bears because they were the Bears. But then after that, again, like you said, a lot of miscommunication, a lot of uh, receivers not being where they're supposed to be because they're young guys. They had those issues before. With I mean, Sammy Watkins was running the wrong routes, and he's been in the league for 50 years. So you've got the, all of these kind of like weird little miscommunications culminating with, I think, really that Broncos game, uh, maybe before the Broncos game. That was just like it was just there was m- so many muddled parts of the game. So it, what it looked like to me then was LeFour kind of stripped everything back. All right, we tried running everything. We can't run everything. We're not ready for that yet. We're scaling this back to the basics. Um, a lot of the motions they kind of cut out. They went to a lot of like more pre-snap shifts and, instead of like a lot of the motions they were trying to do. So they cut out some of the motions. I think they increased play action maybe, but they really pulled back on what they were doing in terms of like formationally from some of the personnel stuff. And some of that was Aaron Jones was out for some of that as well. So that hurt them. They kind of stripped it back. All right. All the big stuff wasn't working. We're going to strip this back. We're going to learn the basics. We got to go back to like what we do well. I think they cut out all of the option routes that they were running. Just do what you're supposed to do. That is almost look like an extended uh, training camp at that point. We're getting back to basics. And then once everything, everyone got back on the same page, they opened the offense back up again. And so you kind of had this weird lull in the middle of the season with it strip everything back to basics a bit, get everyone on the same page before they open it back up again, just because they're, because the full playbook, because everything they're running, I think was causing too many problems. So to me, that's that's what it looked like. And I'm, I might be reading too much into this a little bit, but that's what it looked like to me. So when they came back out, when they, when it kind of took off, and, and for the most part, Love Love had some bad moments. And the deep ball was not good early in the season. Some of that was miscommunication. But he was always, like almost always, looking in the same place. Even when things were bad, feet were good. Eyes were looking good, like he was going through the progressions right. But at a certain point, he didn't trust his guy was going to be there. That was one of the other issues. He'd be ready to let loose, guys open. They have that extra hitch because he's like, well, that guy wasn't there two games ago. That guy wasn't there last game. So he'd have a hesitation in his game, and that threw him off a little bit. But really, when they opened everything back up again, I think there's a trust there that the guys were going to be where they're going to be because they all kind of like relearned all this stuff together. And that's when everything kind of took off. They opened up the playbook. Trust was there. Love felt comfortable. And so all the stuff he was doing early in the year, his feet with his eyes, all that stuff started paying off because the guys were the being where they're supposed to be. So that was, to me, that's that's how that looked. And so that back half of the season when they were looking good, I mean, I hope that's what we're going to see next year because it did seem like that was kind of they had to go through a learning process in the middle of the season. Then after they got that out of the way, they were just like, all right, man, we're good to go. Let's open this back up. And then it looked like gravy. So hopefully that's what we'll see all of next year from from week one. Yeah, that's what I hope we see too. And I think Reed and Wicks, especially finally getting comfortable at the NFL, I think also to me played a big role in that too. Is everyone's learning how to be an NFL player at the same time. You don't have that vet to say, hey, this is how we do it. 
And to me, it took those two really breaking out when everything just seemed to. Well, and Tucker oh. Kraft looked like he didn't know how to play football first yeah. half of the year. And like once once he clicked, like he he was a monster once it finally hit. But you watch those first like four games, it looked like he didn't know what he was supposed to be doing half the time. Like it was, I think most of the team felt that way to some extent. <laughs> yeah, I just hope he doesn't try to hurdle people much <laughs> anymore. It's cool every now and then, but. I the, hur- the hurdle out of bounds when you're on the sideline, like you're not getting an extra. Yeah. I, I understand part of that is like it's saving your knees because they're diving down on you anyway. But like if you're hurtling out of bounds, you're getting half a yard, man. Like find, yeah. find a better way to do this. <laughs> and you're getting hit places you probably would rather not get hit, which I know is one <laughs> thing that happened to him this year. So hopefully he picks his poison on the hurdle a little better. But yeah, I'm excited for what the Packers look like next year. I hope Aaron Jones is back. I hope they draft a running back similar to Aaron Jones in style to eventually take over. I know there's a few guys in the draft this year from the Senior Bowl that I really liked, and I'm excited to see what the Packers do there. I think wide receiver room, it wouldn't be a bad idea to maybe add another body in the draft because we've seen it happen before. We're excited about wide receivers, and they fall off a cliff. The uh, Boykins is one that pops in my head. He had a, a really strong season for him and then th- expecting big things from him in the next year, and he just fell off a cliff. So mm-hmm. don't want to get complacent with what you have. And then obviously defensively, got to get some bodies to fit what they're doing. And I remember when Capers came in, the first two picks the Packers made were B.J. Raji, top 10 pick, traded back in the first round to get Clay Matthews. And then I believe that's also the same draft. They took Nick Collins a little bit later, three very important positions to a 3-4, nose tackle, edge rusher, and safety. Packers need to get some bodies there, and is it safe to assume for the 80th year in a row they go uh, defense in the first round? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I assume so. I mean, that's looking at where they need the most help again, wide receiver. I'd be all for I'm with you. I love the way the Steelers do it. We're like every year they're picking a wide receiver in the second round. And just like, they'll psych it through bodies. Cause not everyone's going to hit every year, but you look at like, well, Packers need some help. I think like, I, I thought Josh Myers played, had a pretty good year after he settled in, but I, I wouldn't bring in another center or some, in, some interior offensive line help. They're not, they're not going to draft that in the first round. They might not draft that the first two rounds. So yeah, I think you can almost take it to the bank. Like they're, I, I say that they're going to draft a wide receiver this year. Like I think I think they're going defense. They're going defensive line or they're going safety. It feels like first round. Like almost feels like a given at this point. And one last thing I do want to mention. I just got the uh, Twitter alert or X alert from the uh, Packers. The award ceremony is going on right now. The honor show and they oh, yeah. get honors. Well, Packers have the fan of the year. Grassy won. Yep, Tom Grassy is yes. The, uh, NFL fan of the year. So man to him. Good for I man that like genuinely good person. I love Tom yeah. Grossi. He's a good good dude. Great at what he does. That's that's incredible. Good for him. That's awesome. Yeah. And then the Saint uh Saint Jude's uh fundraiser that he did mm-hmm. completely incredible. I was following that along as a lot of us fellow Packer and football and just people in general following along it was a great thing to do. And it was fun to see it, uh, that it was able to be a huge success that it was. Listen, we may not get, uh, the floor is not going to win coach of the year, but we got, we got Grossi for fan of the year. So at least we, at least we got Grossi, right? Well, 
definitely congrats to him. It's great to see. And before I let you go, I know I have the bottom of the screen where people can find your work. Um, you mentioned you're rewatching some of the games from 2023. Where, where else can people find your work and what's is some stuff to expect from you coming up in the near future? Yeah, I'll shout out on Twitter when, when I've got something out. So right now I'm kind of retagging some motion stuff. Maybe I'll, I'll probably have some kind of numbers columns coming up at some point. Um, I'll have, um, uh, cheese said TV draft guide. I'm working on a halfway piece. So I'm trying to dig deep into that. And so that'll be out, uh, can't remember when the draft guide comes out, but whenever the cheese head TV draft guide out, which is something that I'd read every year. I don't dig deep into the draft generally, but uh, I love that draft guide. So make sure you pick that up all the big piece in there this year. And then when I pop back up, I think it'll probably be on cheese head TV. I'll be popping up, um, hoping to do some kind of season retrospective last year. I did where I kind of built a call sheet by down and distance and the stuff that worked well for the Packers and used a bunch of clips and all that. And that, I might try to do that. That was a lot of fun, but darn near killed me last off season. So I might do something like a, here's a couple of plays from each game. It's like a weekly column that the, from this week one, here's some plays you may not remember and kind of break those down a little bit. So when I resurface, it'll probably be uh cheese TV. Yeah. Probably in a month or so here, I would imagine. I'm kind of, kind of getting my ducks in a row for a first, but I'm kind of laying low and I'm on pack a day um, every Wednesday with, uh, with Steve Perhatch and Sarah Kelleher. So I'm, I'm, Still doing that until the draft, and I'll take a month off because I don't know anything about the draft. <laughs> <laughs> well, if they're looking for people to join and talk draft, you can always volunteer me. <laughs> I'll, I'll throw your name in there, man. I got some people lined up, but I'll throw your name in there. Yeah, cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for those that were watching. Podcast to be dropping uh, probably early tomorrow morning, will be my guess. And I'll be back next week recapping the Super Bowl and the wacky weekend of. Wisconsin Sports here. Thank you so much. This has been Talking Sports with Evan, and I will get back at you next week.